Good morning, good morning. We need to get uh, started because I can tend to be long-winded, according to the worship team. Uh, This morning we're talking about treasures. We're going to be in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. If you can turn with me there. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and still. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word and for your truth. As you, as you speak to us today about our love for stuff, for money, for finances, the fact that many of us here today are probably um, full of worry because of lack of money or money that might be taken away or that the economy might change. Lord, your peace calls us to something better. That through the good and through the bad, that we would follow you. And that you never change. You're always here. You are Abba Father. And in Jesus' name, we say amen. We're going to talk about finances today. Yay. Uh, this is good. This is, this is really more about, and you're going to see, you know, why do we talk about finances? You know, we... We primarily do 90, 80 to 90% of our teaching, expository text teaching, which means we're going to go right through Scripture. And as we go through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is going to talk about money. He's going to talk about money often. In fact, out of his 40 parable teachings that Jesus does, 11 of them have to do with some form of finances. All believers are called to be givers, to be generous. And we'll look at that today. And, and the reason why the Lord in this passage is talking about this in Matthew 6, 19 through 24 is our treasures. The things that we look to rather than looking to God. And that's going to be our first point today is storing up treasures. When we think about this world and, and what our focus is on, man, how many people just I, like love stuff? I, I love stuff. I'm gonna, I, like, I like buying things. I get focused on things. I, I focus on silly things that we purchase for our family, and you, as you grow up and you get a wife and you get children, you start to get excited about things like wood stoves. If you've been in my house, you've heard about my wood stove. Probably for 30 minutes, heard about my, my wood stove that I got eight years ago. You can pray for my wife. These are the type of conversations we have, right? And now that, that fall and winter's coming, we start talk, talking about our, our wood supply and then getting all that, and make, it's just really obsessive. And then backpacking. If you know me, I'm really into backpacking. Hammock backpacking. I have three hammocks. I can only lie in one. But I have three, and I'm looking at a fourth. Again, pray for my wife. Right? Storing up treasures. What is our, what, what does our hearts focus on? Right? And I, as a passionate person, I can get focused on these things. I think hobbies are good. In fact, my mentor told me many years ago, Find an act of worship that isn't about leadership uh, in the church. 
like just worship God, whether it be through fishing or backpacking or, or just hanging out with your family. Just worship God that way. And I think that's a, that, that was one of the wisest things I was ever told, right? And so those pursuits are good, but when those pursuits, those things become our obsession and our treasure rather than the things of God, there is a problem. Proverbs 8.11 says this, For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. What God is saying is there's greater things that we should long for rather than these treasures here on earth. Those things that you buy, those things, that they're going to come and go, they're going to break. Your, your house isn't always going to hold the value that you want it to. Right? That next house, that next car, that next purchase, I'm preaching to myself here. It's not going to bring the happiness that you think it will. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when they take the place of your heart, then there is a problem. For we understand as believers, there's nothing more powerful and important for us than in our salvation, knowing the word of God and the spirit of God. Nothing greater than that. In Ecclesiastes 1.14, King Solomon says, I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. No one had more money and more stuff and more wives and more pleasure and more things than King Solomon. But he writes in Ecclesiastes 1.14, man, I've had it all, more than you could ever think of. I've had it and then some. And it was meaningless. It was chasing after the wind. I don't know if you've ever chased after the wind before. I've storm chased before. Anybody storm chased? I've storm chased before. Dumb thing to do, don't do it. Chasing after the wind. In, in the Bible there, in Ecclesiastes 1.14, gives us this analogy of just, it's just senseless. And we look at that, yeah, you get chased after the wind. I'm going to catch you. You you don't see the effects of it, right? It would be ridiculous to do so. However, we do that all the time. Ask yourself this morning, are you tired? Are you tired? And I believe some of us right now are so, if we would say, yes, I am so tired, because the rat race of life, right? Living for the weekend mentality. Storing up treasures in heaven. Like, there's nothing wrong with working. In fact, in fact, uh, Scripture calls us to do that and to take care of our family and take care of orphans and widows and those around us. Like, your finances have a meaning. But if your finances and your work is all about your retirement plan or the next vacation plan or the next purchase, if that's what it's about, you are going to lack purpose on a daily basis basis because, right, those things will only get you up in the morning for so long. But there's treasures in heaven. And if that becomes our why, that's why we go to work. That's why we have provision. That's why we do what we do. See, the rat race of the American dream is getting to many of us. It's that chasing after the wind. I love this quote I found this week from Will Rogers way before most of our time, but I love the quote. Too many people spend money they earn to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. We need to work on that like part too, don't we? That's that's what we do. Like, I just get more stuff and more stuff, and I'm right there with you again. I'm preaching to the choir, 
right? I always have something that I have my eye on. And I'm like, okay, I could, I could purchase this. I could, I could save up for this. I could, and I do research, right? And then, seriously, no legit, like, or, or legit thing. Once I get it, I'm like, well, now what? Well, now what? I kind of, what am I going to be obsessed about now? See, there's gifts that the Lord gives us, these treasures. There's treasures in heaven, but there's, there's treasures and gifts here on earth too. But gifts are not meant to own you. There's nothing wrong with stuff. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with having finances and money. And, and let me preface this too this morning. This is not going to be another sermon about making you feel guilty about not tithing. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about being givers. And it's an act of worship. This isn't about guilt. And if you've come from that background, then I believe it was, it was wrong theology. But if you come from a background that, that in the church never talked about finances, that's a wrong theology too. This message today, the Lord is telling us, there's many gifts God has given us, and one of those are finances and provision, but these gifts are not meant to own you. How do we get into this place where good gifts own us? Whether it be food, Right? Food is one of those. And we, and we have a food problem in the United States. Right? Praise God that food is more than just energy. Right? There are so many flavors and genres and goodness for food. Right? I love food. As you can see, I love food. Praise God for it. But could it be, can it be a problem? Yes! Is it a problem for Americans? Yes! Does God want to take away from the pleasure of that? No. But is it, are we supposed to be addicted to it? No. Sex. It's a gift from God. In marriage between a man and a woman. Not wanting to make people feel guilty this morning. Not wanting to, do, wanting to do any of that. It's a gift from the Lord. It's his idea. It's his plan. But for many of us in America, we just go after what we want, whether we're married or single. And we make an idol out of a gift that God has given us. And this gift has now enslaved us. What happens when these gifts take the place of the giver? Scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I thank God he gives us gifts. So many gifts that we can't count. And I just named a few today. And you think about those, right? Married people. Right? The things that they'll, they'll tell you that you're going to argue about. Intimacy is one. It's a gift from God. Right? Treat it well. Right? These gifts are to honor God, not to be all about us. The other thing that they'll tell you that you'll fight about is finances. Right? All of the married people are like, oh, we don't fight about. No, yes, most of us do. Right? It's an issue. There's an enslavement that the enemy wants to do. But we don't have to follow it. We can build treasures up in heaven. See, the eye. Talks about the eye, how, how we see God. And it's how we see the world. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? God speaks much about his followers 
his children being givers and being generous. And in this passage, Jesus is, is taking his people and he's speaking to them about the enslavement of building up stuff, giving just so other people see it, giving it just out of religion rather, out, rather than a heart for God. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you think about the eye, how you see the world and how you see God, is God generous? Is the God we serve, Abba Father, is he generous? Does his cup run out? Is every amount of money or thing your last shot that you have to hold on to, that you have to protect, right? It's crazy how we can pray for finances and pray for provision. I do that as a pastor and as a father and as a husband and as a human being, right? But it's crazy how sometimes a gift like that can be an imprisonment. Right? They even do study on people that have won the lottery, and a lot of them aren't doing well. I'm like, I'll take that test, right? God, I think I'd do better. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's not having plenty that's the problem. And we as Americans, and we and as the West, Compared to the rest of the world, we would be in this present age. Most of us in here, we would be considered rich. Two cars, homes, all the, oh, praise God for those things. But when they steal the blessings of the Lord, there's a problem. Well, seven, eight years ago, when Pastor Clinton and I went uh, full-time, we left our um, very safe government jobs. He was a police officer. I was a fifth grade teacher. The number one thing that people asked was, what about your retirement? What about the safety of that job? And that was something that we both were like, wow, like retirement, like, wow, we're not going to have retirement right now. We're not going to have some of those safety nets. But it's interesting that that was the first thing that people thought of and with good intentions. And ask, ask yourself, is my hope in what God can do or what, in what I can save? Many of us are full of hope or lacking in hope based on the stock market right now. And ask yourself, are you more concerned about being rich in your bank account or in good deeds? I know one that I will probably worry more about and fight with sometimes my spouse over. And, I, and my prayer is that I would be more concerned about good deeds for the Lord, have an overflow of his working in my life than being obsessed. And now that I'm like old, I was seven, eight years ago, I'm getting older, retirement is, you know, it, it, I can at least start to see it. It's, it's harder to be brave. It's harder to be courageous, right? Ask yourself this morning, do you judge people based on their wealth? And that can go many of ways. Poor people are lazy. Is that what you think? Some of us do. 
Rich people are greedy. That's what some of us think. Some of the most greedy people that I've met had zero in the bank. Some of the most generous people that I've ever met had way more money than I will ever have. Right, we've got to be careful with some of those stereotypes. And this quote by Mother Teresa, and this is just really for the church as we continue to go forward with things. Let us more and more insist on raising funds of love, of kindness, of understanding, and of peace. Money will come if we seek first the kingdom of God. The rest will be given. And what she's saying as a church leader, sometimes our focus can be so much on the funds rather than storing up treasures in heaven. And I'm very thankful the 15 years of co-leading this church that we have seen giving and provision in miraculous ways. This church continues to mature and grow in those things. In fact, when um, COVID hit, that was one of the first things that all, all churches were, were fearful of, of like, man, you know, people, when people get hit hard, that's, they stop giving, right? And some of them just can't give. You don't have a job. And we're really scared about this and with our elders and we're looking at this, we're praying about this like, okay, this, this could be a really bad future. And we're looking at growing bigger by growing smaller and all these plans and all these things. And I remember um, we had someone show up that day and one of our single moms and she gave a generous amount of money that day. And she said, whoever needs this the most, give it. I remember our elders and Pastor Clint and I were like, we're going to be okay. Second point today, no one can serve two masters. So Jesus is telling us to store up treasures in heaven. Care more about people and about the Lord than your bank account. And some of us, again, we're, just, we're looking at the stock market more than we are the Bible. We're looking at the news and you know, all the inflation. We're worried more about that than people going to hell. Right? We, we, we care more about what our house looks like than the fact that there are people around us that are orphans, that are widows, that are homeless. Right? We cannot get calloused. When Jesus is saying no one can serve two masters, saying you will not serve God and serve money. It'll be one or the other. But there is demonic spirit behind the love of money. First Timothy tells us that. It's, it's, it's the, the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Not to have it. Some have much, some have little. It's what we do with it. Some of us, we might have little and we think we're off the hook for loving money. No. It's not how it works. Matthew 23, 23. What do you teachers of the law and Pharisees? You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And we talk about finances and giving and being generous because Scripture does. And this is always, whenever, and again, I'm going through Matthew. We're in Matthew 6, that's Matthew 23. There are going to be some other teachings on it. Right? You can maybe like plan ahead and miss those days. I don't know. The reason why the Lord talks about it because it's a big deal and he's wanting to free his people up. Today is about the battle of our heart and our treasures. 
Matthew 23, 23 isn't telling us not to give or tithe. In fact, he's telling us to do that. That it was a practice of believers. But there is a problem for those of us that have grown up in the church. And we tithe, and we have that discipline. It's a part, it's, but it becomes a bill. It becomes a thing we do. Rather than an overflow of worship in our heart and God's faithfulness and trusting in the Lord, it, right? You know, you just, it just becomes a bill. It's, it's like your car payment, your house payment, your retirement payment, whatever it would be. And there's a warning of that. Then we, we practice this discipline of tithing, but our character is lacking. So there's this beautiful thing when God's people are givers. I'm not talking about a building campaign. I'm not even talking about tithing today. It's about our finances not owning us. We see in Acts 2, 45, one of like, our favorite passages, right? This is when we all look to selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And there was this overflow of the Spirit in the early church and it wasn't about the rich people on one side and the poor people on the other side. There was this like, hey, let's, let's share what we have, our haves and our have-nots, and be a family. Many times when we see God move in the life of the church, there's a movement of generosity in God's people. And it's a worship thing, not a guilt thing. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 speaks of this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace bound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is why, like, it may us, we're like, man, we're not going to, we can, because it's a debatable thing. Are, 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 are New Testament believers supposed to tithe? Some would say, yes, and I, I'm in that camp. Others would say, no, we're called to just, to, to be givers and just decide, just like what Second Corinthians is talking about. And that's a very debatable argument on both sides. And so what we try to do here when we talk about finances, that it would be an act of worship, not guilt Right? Not, not compulsion, not, not because we had a better argument than someone else. Right? This is the worst thing that can happen is like, fine, I'm going to do it because you're telling me to do it. And it's a religious thing rather than a God thing, rather than an outpouring of your heart. See, the tithe and the offering and the giving and the generosity, generosity of the God's people, it matters to God. This is an Old Testament thing and it's a New Testament thing. All believers are called to be givers. In Deuteronomy 15, 15, as the Lord took a whole generation out of Egypt that were once slaves, he then gives each family a field. And he says, in this field, you're going to give the first fruits. And then he tells them, you're going to leave the edges of your field. I'm not a farmer, so I don't like, like some of you guys might get this more than me. And you're going to leave this for the aliens, those people just coming through your place. And the orphans and the widows. And he's saying, you know what, as you're going through your field too, there's going to be stuff that, does, that, that, that falls off. Leave it for people that might need it. And then, and then Deuteronomy 15, 15, he says, why? Because you were once slaves in Egypt. 
See, from Old Testament to New Testament, God's people have always been givers. As a proclamation that they were once slaves, no longer slaves. No longer enslaved to their finances, to their debt, to their junk. And as a proclamation and an act of worship, they say, you know what, I'm going to help people out. Why? Because I've been there. Some of us might have this attitude, man, I, I, man I, I'm where I'm at because of my hard work. Well, that's one point of it, but you didn't get there by yourself. You can get there without God's grace, or I promise you, some other people helping you. Romans 6.20. Apostle Paul talks that we were, you know, why are we all about God's grace, and why does the church talk about sin? Because we were once slaves to our sin. Do you see the theme of freedom? Right? This is what the Lord is talking about. See, we're talking about finances, and you're almost uptight about it. I get it. I get it. There's a spiritual attack there. Sometimes the local church can be more religious about these things than spirit-filled about these things. Again, being givers and tithers in and outside of the church to the things that we see for the kingdom of God is an act of worship, not guilt, not me talking you into it. Ask yourself this morning, what keeps you from being generous? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it not knowing God? And one of the things that, that we, we give three things, I believe, that can keep us from having a generous spirit. And number one is we haven't seen it modeled. Maybe you just haven't seen it modeled. Maybe you grew up in a home whether, maybe you can grow up at home that tied, but you, weren't, you, weren't, you knew you weren't generous. You weren't givers. Everything was about your bank account and that worry. So it just wasn't modeled to you. Maybe you're a new believer. And it just hasn't been modeled to you. Like, like modeling and seeing it happen, we, we pray that this church would model that, that we'd be generous with the tithe and offerings to people that need it. Right? Like modeling something is really important. Like I look at my kids. Last week, my, uh, my son had a prayer request and a prayer chain. He wanted some certain football teams to lose. One was, you guessed, the Chiefs. Don't hate me. Hate the eight-year-old. He got his prayer chain in kids' class. The Chiefs would lose, the Seahawks would lose, and a certain team on Monday night would win. He has a fourth prayer, because I think he thinks he's a prophet now. Right? But I was there looking at my, you know, like, oh, man, this is like, man, why would my son pray for those things? Maybe because dad has some friends that are Chiefs fans and Seahawks fans, right? Like, modeling is a big deal. Like, what, well, obviously, I have some work to do at home, right? I'm going to pray for godly things. And for the Eagles to lose to the Chiefs today, you're welcome. <laughs> Number two, one of the reasons why sometimes we just we're not, don't have a generous spirit so we're looking for that rainy day, right? You've seen it modeled, but you're just, you're, 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 and there's teaching on this, good teaching on this, right? That we build up our storehouses so that we can be givers. But see, we all struggle with greed. We just, our storehouses can't ever get big enough. And we're waiting for that rainy day. If you were serving the other master that God is talking about, the rainy day never comes, but you're always preparing for it. And your storehouses will be huge, and they'll be locked up. And sometimes, individually and corporately, we're guilty of those things too. 
right? Like we're in a rainy day season. And may the church found faith, be found faithful in her generosity, not in her fear, not in her holding back. And that's individually we have to look at and also corporately. The third thing, and it keeps us from being generous, is just our debt. Our debt and our stuff. Saw this quote this week, the only man who sticks closer to you in adversity than a friend is a creditor. And that is the truth. Been there, done that. The third reason I think that we can be so just not generous is because when we are truly enslaved to our debt that we have and the more debt that we want to accumulate on stuff that we don't truly need. And I'm in that boat too, just just like many of us in here. I I can struggle with that. God has called us to be free. Say that the average debt for Gen Z, 18 to 23 year olds, those are the ones that can work, are almost $10,000 in debt already. Millennials, 24 to 39 year olds, $78,000 in debt. Gen X, my generation, average debt of $135,000. The average credit card debt for most of us is between six and $10,000. There's some enslavement going on, right? And the Lord has called us to be free. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So why does the Lord talk to us about enslavement? Because we are in a Western world that right now has more provision and more pleasures than most of the world combined. Yet we still go pity party on us. And it's okay to feel those things, but when you get captivated by those things, that you're full of worry because you're watching inflation, you're watching the stock market, all things I care about as well. But we have to watch our hearts on those things because the question is, are you free? If you're, if you're free, you're not continuing waiting for a rainy day to give, a reason to give, but yet one never comes to mind when they're all around us. As a church, if it were more about building buildings and campaigns than taking care of the orphans and the widows around us, then we've missed it completely. And the question is, are we free? A couple questions for us to go through and seek the Lord on today as we worship him. First question. Do you need help to get out of the hole of serving two masters? But for a believer, the, the holes that we get ourselves in, that most of the time, 99% of the time, if you are in a hole, you can't dig yourself out, or you wouldn't be there in the first place. Is it debt? Is it stuff? Is it just not knowing how to manage your money? Like you, pastor after pastor is talking about finances and giving. You're like, I don't, I don't know how to manage my money. I need help. It's a great part of discipleship. And we'd love to come alongside you with no guilt, no condemnation, just some wisdom. Do you need help to get out of the hole of serving two masters? For some of us, it's, it's just bank math skills. For some of us, it's just like shopping therapy <laughs> that has gone too far. You think these things will bring happiness, and they won't. And today you acknowledge, I need help. I need help because it's just thing after thing after thing. Number two, in what ways is the Lord calling you to be more generous? This is something as a church we ask ourselves. 
But individually, we ask ourselves too, Lord, what are you you calling me to do this year? This finance, this provision, it can't be all about my family. It can't all be about my retirement. It can't be all about my vacation or this or that. Lord God, what are you calling me to do to be generous with people that are in need? And the last question before we close is, what do you treasure? Because it all boils down to that. And my eyes and your eyes, that they're on Jesus. We think different. We act different. We fear different. Our hope is different. And the Lord clearly says, where your heart is, is where your treasure is. And where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And so today we go before a holy God who says he can change our heart, he can change our mind if we would bow before him and worship him. If you guys can stand with me, we're going to close in prayer. Father, Lord God, we just come to you to worship you in the name of Jesus. The greatest debt that we could ever have is the debt of sin. And by the name of Jesus, what was done on the cross that debt was paid. And God, that is the greatest, greatest forgiveness. Father, you paid a debt that we could not. And Father, as an anthem, would we also not be debt at our finances, enslaved to our bank account, to our stuff. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would set us free, not so we could build up bigger storehouses, and justify our greed. But said, Father, that we would be free and be generous. That all of our finances are yours, God. And Holy Spirit, when you tell us to give, we would do it. When you tell us to save, we would do it. Not out of our flesh, not out of our worry. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, as we so many young families in here today, that we would be set free from the rat race of the American dream. That we would be set free from worry. You are our greatest retirement plan. You know every hair on our head and the number of our days. May we not plan for a retirement that may not happen, but would we invest in today in the gospel and to your people today? For if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. And Father, may we walk in your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.